The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey everybody, welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Happy Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Some sunny weather here in town. A little bit on the chilly side, but uh, it sure beats the snow. And I'll tell you what, you know, typically when auto show begins here in town, we worry about snowstorms and the weather being uninviting. However, we seem to have another uninvited guest this year, and that of course is the massive water main break that has led to a boil water advisory for all of downtown Detroit. I know all those people staying in those hotels, taking cold showers, probably that are not enjoying that too much. Let's hope this doesn't uh, sour them on their experience too much as we are in our last ever winter auto show here in Detroit. Of course, next year it moves till June. We'll talk a little bit about that later on. And of course, that's not necessarily a great note to start on today, but I'm feeling cautiously optimistic. So we're going to spend a little time today talking about my reasons for optimism. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you so much for being with me today. So as I mentioned at the top of the show, the words for today are cautious optimism. Now, on a number of fronts, I'm feeling a tad more optimistic than I have when it comes to our democracy, our systems of government, and our ability to work through some very complex issues that we have to do. So why? Why am I feeling optimistic, despite the fact that we're in the midst of a government shutdown? We've got, of course, investigations hanging over our heads. Detroit is still having some problems when it comes to rental enforcement and getting projects off the ground and rebuilding neighborhoods. And, of course, the state of Michigan has divided government and the possibility that uh, the Republicans and the Democrats might get along for too long. Well, we'll talk about it. I mean, some of this could be still, you know, uh, some of this could be the glow of the New Year's Day hangover that is lingering for the past couple of weeks, but I actually think it is rooted in something much more significant than that. Now, locally, I'm seeing more movement on neighborhood stabilization and some tangible improvements being made. It's an auto industry in flux, uh, moving towards new mobility options and new technology, but with the major automakers embracing the change and being proactive about finding ways to capitalize on it and perhaps grow and be leaders in these emerging fields. Now, at the state level, and I'll talk about these things in more detail, but it's an opening salvo of bipartisan cooperation that could, I emphasize the word could, lead to some solutions to our many problems. And it's also the hope of a movement towards equality that will benefit all Michiganders. Now, at the national level, again, despite the current impasse over a border wall and resulting government shutdown, we are gaining some clarity on where the Mueller investigation is heading, and some sort of idea where this is all headed will emerge in the coming weeks. Now, whether the president is guilty of any wrongdoing or not, we will at least in the coming weeks have an idea of what might be next. So that's what we're going to discuss today. I'm optimistic, sort of. I asked you the same question, so we'll get into that as well. So stay with me and see if I can't convince you that there might be a silver lining to the hurricane clouds that seem to be a brewing. That's all coming up on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. All right, so I figured I would start this out today by talking about uh, local politics first. Then we'll go to the state level, then we'll go to the national level. Because again, cautious optimism is our theme today. Cautious being a key word, but I prefer to be, I much prefer to be optimistic than pessimistic. 
pessimism has gotten me nowhere in my lifetime. In fact, it just basically boosts my blood pressure and uh, leads to unhealthy outcomes. So we won't focus on the negative. We're going to focus on the positive as best we can. And I will point out some of the things, some of the headwinds that we're facing with these things. But it seems to me that we could probably have a better conversation if I'm at least taking this from a proactive point of view and a positive point of view. So let's start with the city of Detroit. Let's start with the city of Detroit. There are a number of problems. They are well documented in the city of Detroit. They've been with us for a long time. Neighborhoods that are stuck and stagnant. We also have a number of situations with poverty. Crime is a problem. Drugs are a problem in the community. And the lack of educational opportunities and, frankly, the lack of job opportunities. All things that the city is wrestling with. However, I do want to focus on some things that seem to be indicating that change may be coming, especially for those that might be most vulnerable here in the community and those that have stuck it out in some of these neighborhoods that have been suffering for so long. I at least see a plan emerging in the city of Detroit, and it's not always a perfect plan. But let's take, uh, for instance, one housing project that is incredibly ambitious. It's called the Fitzgerald Project. Now, the Fitzgerald neighborhood, of course, is just over there on the uh, near west side, um, and it's not too far away from uh, U of D Mercy. In fact, it's the neighborhood that's sort of between Mary Grove and U of D Mercy. And so what I'm tar- starting to see here uh, is an ambitious plan. Again, this is about renovating over 100 houses in that neighborhood and converting a lot of the vacant property that exists over there into parkland and basically shared space and green space and with basically ways to link neighborhoods together with bike paths and walking paths. Now, of course, this was put out there at a big fanfare just a couple of years ago. Uh, I was at that press conference, as a matter of fact. I helped set it up. And the ambition there was significant. This was a project that hadn't been done. It was a new way to look at how to utilize a lot of vacant space in a neighborhood that has not been completely emptied out, still has a number of residents living there. But what can we do with the vacant structures that are there? Tear some of them down that need to come down, renovate over 100 others, get people back into those homes, and then take the vacant space that's created and turn it into, again, that green space, open space that I mentioned. Improve the parks. Create a park in the neighborhood. All of these things were were met with big fanfare. A lot of the demolitions have been done. There has been a new park that has been installed in that neighborhood. And finally, finally, we're starting to see the first houses that were part of that project be renovated and people moving into those homes at relatively affordable prices for when you're talking about a completely renovated home in that neighborhood, selling for less than $100,000, which is very good. And people, you know, home ownership is one of those things in Detroit that has been basically robbed from a lot of people. Home ownership was a path to the middle class that has been taken away from a number of people in the city, whether it's through foreclosure, whether it's through basically just job loss and everything else that's gone on. There's a rental culture that has existed in the city for a long time. But that generational transfer of wealth, when property can be transferred or equity in a home can be taken out and turned into something else. Those are things that people in the suburbs have taken for granted for a long time. But in the city, that's something that's been lost. This push towards home ownership as a way to rebuild neighborhoods and stabilize neighborhoods is a critical, critical component. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're anywhere near where we need to be, but there are some things in this one project that indicate that it could work. Again, the houses, as they're being fixed up, and there haven't been enough yet, but we're up to about 10, I believe, out of 100. But more are underway right now, and they're selling. People are buying them. More importantly, more people are getting mortgages in the city of Detroit than they have in a long time. It's still far from where it needs to be. 
but the finance market is starting to catch up to the progress that's taking place in some of the neighborhoods in the city. I'm not suggesting all are benefiting yet, but it is a step in the right direction. Now think about this. You've got way more housing sales in the city of Detroit than we've seen in recent years. Prices are going up throughout most of the city. And again, the number of mortgages being awarded is a huge, huge indication that things are improving. Now, it doesn't mean we're not we're done by any stretch. And there are too many neighborhoods that are not going to see this type of benefit anytime soon. But it is an indication that things are moving in the right direction because for decades, everything moved in the opposite direction, especially in the decade after the Great Collapse. Housing values plummeted by more than 50% in the city of Detroit. In some neighborhoods, property values plummeted to almost zero. So to see them coming back and prices going up in a lot of neighborhoods, not all yet, but in many, many neighborhoods, that is a positive indication that something is going right, that maybe the blight removal program has some merit, that the land bank's program of auctioning off these homes and requiring people to fix them up is something that is having some effect on the neighborhoods. And there are still some neighborhoods where that's not an effective option yet. There are just uh, not enough value to... There's just not enough value in the properties yet to put the kind of resources into these houses that they would need uh, to ever get that money out of those houses. And that's going to take some time. But what are the things that are going to make that happen? Well, you know, you start seeing it spread from one neighborhood to the next. One neighborhood becomes a place that people see the value in, in investing in, and then it sort of spreads to the next one. And for all the talk about the 72 Yes, there has been a ton of development in Midtown and Downtown, but that is now spreading. North End is getting a lot of attention. Of course, uh, we have a new center has been getting a lot of attention. But not only that, you've got places like Russell Woods, which are starting to perk up. East English Village, of course, stabilizing very nicely. And the neighborhood next to it, Morningside, starting to get some much-needed attention. You're starting to see people take chances in places like Yorkshire Woods on the east side. You've got people that are more willing to take chances even in Brightmore than would have been able to do so on the far west side a long time ago. The Grand River Losser Corridor starting to get some attention in the neighborhood in Old Redford there. We're starting to see some improvements, and it's not just in the downtown. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not a lot to do, but you've got to remember this didn't take place overnight. This took place over decades this destruction of these neighborhoods and the rebuilding of these neighborhoods is not something that's going to happen overnight. Now, there are still some serious hurdles that Detroit has. And before I proclaim that the neighborhoods are are restored, they're not. I knew when I took that job at the land bank that this wasn't going to be something that was going to be done in four years. That's how long I said I would do this. And I did. I knew it wasn't going to be fixed. I just wanted to get it started on the right trajectory. Started on the right trajectory. It was really important to me to be involved in something that I thought might have a lasting impact on the city of Detroit. And my role, of course, I'm not the one that directed these policies. I'm not the one that actually carried them out. But I did force, you know, work through a lot of problems. I did work through a lot of log jams. And I did communicate very effectively with people in the neighborhoods and, of course, between the city, the land bank, and others to come up with some ideas and to clear some log jams out of the way. I'm proud of that work. There's still a ton to do. And there are still some things that are beyond, of course, the land bank's control or anybody else's, for that matter, when it comes to fixing this city. Education 
still a big hurdle. Fixing the Detroit Public Schools Community District is a long-term project. I like the leadership that's at the helm and Dr. Vitti right now. I think they've got some good ideas, and I think they're moving forward. And they're going to try to compete with the charter schools head-on to get those numbers back up to where they need to be to make that a viable district. And there are some things that the legislature needs to do to allow the DPSCD to truly compete. Right now, they are hamstrung when it comes to borrowing money to fix up their facilities. That is something that the legislature could deal with and improve. So I would love to see that be done. Crime, still a big issue. Now, the mayor's office and the chief have put out some numbers recently saying that violent crime is down in the city. There are others who suggest that those numbers don't tell the whole story or the true story. And you read all of that and take it all with a grain of salt. Crime is still an issue. And even if the numbers are going down, violent crime is still way too high in the city of Detroit. And in some zip codes in particular, it is still far too dangerous, especially for young people, as they make decisions on what they want to do with their life and where they want to go. Do they want to get caught up in what's happening in the neighborhoods or do they actually want to see if they cannot find a way to improve their status and their stature? It's difficult for them to make these decisions with the pressures that they face on a day-to-day basis. And we have not done enough to address that yet. And I know that there's a lot of hardworking people working on this, but there's more that could be done. I'm, I'm buoyed a little bit by some of the things that we are seeing happen. Efforts like Operation Ceasefire, in which police, prosecutors, gangs, and neighbors get together and actually talk about the shared issues in their community and figure out the best way strategy to reduce the violence that is plaguing some of these neighborhoods. We need to expand that to more places so that there's more people that can actually take part in these things. I would like to see that happen. But when you take an overall look at where Detroit is, the progress downtown is undeniable. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. That's private investment. There's not a ton of city investment that goes into that kind of stuff. This is private money flowing into the city because for the first time in a long time, they see that there's money to be made. But at the same time, we are expecting a bit of a downturn sometime in the next couple of years. What's that going to be like? Is Detroit going to be able to withstand a recession better than it has in the past? Especially as we have an auto industry, our massive industry, our major industry, that basically floats a lot of different boats in this community, undergoing the dramatic disruption that it is. So I'm going to finish up talking about the city of Detroit and what we have going on here by talking about the auto show a little bit. The auto industry, of course, is in flux. And this is the last Detroit auto show of its type that we'll see. The one that we've been used to for the last 50 years. This is going to be different. Going forward, next year it's going to be in the summer. It's going to be outdoors. There's going to be a lot more mobility options. There's going to be new technologies shown off. But the one thing that I see when it comes to this industry is proactive movement on the part of the big three. I don't see anybody pretending that this isn't happening, that they've got their their heads in the sand. You take a look at some of the moves that these companies are making to prepare for this disruption that is going to come so that it doesn't hit us as hard as it has in the past. Ford partnering with Volkswagen on a number of things, and we'll learn a lot more about that tomorrow. You've got General Motors, and as much as it hurts in the short term, actually taking steps to make sure that they're going to be around for this next generation of automobiles that are coming. 
all these companies are taking a look at what's going on and trying to figure out what it is they're going to do and how they can compete. Partnering up with technology companies to come up with the best mobility technology. All of this stuff matters. And while it may look painful in the short term, it is something that we should be excited about because at least they are trying to make sure that they are competitive and that they are strong moving forward so that they can take advantage of whatever market changes come up. That's not something we used to see with the auto industry. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be some painful times ahead. It does. But at least they are acknowledging the future, and they are acknowledging the competition, and they are acknowledging the fact that they need to be better. They can't stand still. Now, those of you who were not around back in the late 70s to see the last time we truly were caught flat-footed, well, we all know what happened as a result of that. Lost market share, massive disruption, and frankly, the loss of entire states when it comes to market share for some of these auto companies. They cannot let that happen again, and I see them actually being proactive about it. Now, again, you could say I'm naive. Maybe I am. But at the same time, it's important that we recognize that. All right, we're going to take a little quick break here on the program. When we come back, let's take a look at what is happening up in Lansing, the state of Michigan, some of the things that I see to make me cautiously optimistic. And then I'll work in your comments as well a little bit later on. Stay with me. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Welcome back to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. So glad that you have found this program. And again, I would encourage you, encourage you, if you want to get in touch with me, and I hope you do, send me an email to thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Again, that's thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com or Find us on Facebook, find us on Instagram, find us on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You can pretty much find me anywhere. Shoot me a message there. If you're interested in advertising on this, let me know. I can get you in touch with the right folks. We can get something in there. It's relatively affordable, and you can reach the type of audience you want to. So that's a good way to support this program. All right, let's continue on here, shall we? Um, Let's take a look at what is going on in Lansing. Remember, the theme today is cautious optimism. Cautious optimism, and I am cautiously optimistic, but I do like some of the things that I'm hearing out of Lansing right now, and many of you understand what my politics are. I tend to lean left on a lot of different things, but this is not going to be just about the Democrats. This is going to be what I'm hearing from some of the Republicans as well right now. I think everybody in Michigan realizes we're at a bit of a crossroads when it comes to figuring out how we're going to deal with some of our longstanding problems, and local Local politics and and state politics are where we figure out things like road funding, infrastructure needs, equality issues, and setting the right message, sending the right message about what Michigan is about. So here's what I'm excited about, cautiously optimistic about here in Michigan. I'm hearing the right tone from the governor, Governor Whitmer, sending a strong message about a few things that I care a lot about. One, government accountability. And it's not just Gretchen Whitmer. I'm also hearing it from the elected leadership, Lee Chatfield, of course, who's the new Speaker of the House. We'll talk a little bit about Lee in just a little bit. But accountability, making sure that the legislature and the governor's office are subject to FOIA laws, that's Freedom of Information Act requests. Right now, Michigan is one of two states where not all state officials 
elected officials, frankly, are required to be subject to FOIA. That has led to a lot of things that makes it more difficult for the public to find out what is going on. Now, the legislature and the governor being subject to FOIA would send a strong message about transparency and what they value and, and public input and, and how they much they respect the public and their ability to chime in on what's happening. That's a huge deal. The other thing that I heard from Gretchen Whitmer that I appreciate is a message about equality, suggesting that Michigan needs to get on the right side of history when it comes to LGBTQ rights. It's about time. The Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act was signed into law by Bill Milliken. That's a long time ago. It has not been amended to include sexual orientation and sexual identity. I think it's time for the legislature to step up and do that. The governor's already made an executive order when it comes to state workers and state contracts. However, the legislature could cement this and send a strong message about how welcoming a place Michigan is. I think that's something that needs to be done. I would like to see them do that. But I'm also seeing some real discussion about bipartisan cooperation. And that is coming from a couple of unlikely allies, perhaps, Uh, incoming Attorney General Dana Nessel, who, of course, is the new Attorney General, and again, Lee Chatfield, who I just mentioned, who's the new Speaker. Now, Lee Chatfield's an interesting guy. He's a Republican, a conservative Republican, from Levering, Michigan. And if you don't know where Levering is, it's in Emmett County, the very tip of the mitten, real close to the the bridge, just a little bit west of uh, of I-75. Now, he has been working with Dana Nessel, on asset and property seizure questions. Now, in Michigan right now, police can basically impound your vehicle, uh, basically take your assets, and sometimes sell them off even if you haven't been convicted of a crime. Property seizures are not something that we should be allowing. It seems to be uh, something that has constitutional problems. And there is some bipartisan agreement that they can do something about this and do something about it quickly. And I think that's, that's great, right? It might not be the most pressing issue here in the state of Michigan, but if right off the bat... If right off the bat we can have Democrats and Republicans agree that this is a system that needs to be fixed and they can do it, you know, it's just that little flicker of trust that we need to start working on some larger issues. Because frankly, trust has been hard to come by in this state and in this nation for a long time. A joint win, a press conference that talks about how they're changing the law and how they came to an agreement and why they're working together on this because it's good for all Michiganders, that's a huge deal. And if you can set the tone right off the bat with a victory like that, it might might lead to some trust, some mutual admiration, and a recognition that the other side isn't necessarily evil. There are going to be some issues that are going to be much tougher to solve. I think road funding is not going to be as easy as people want. I know Gretchen Whitmer is committed to it, but you know the issue on how to pay for this is something that is going to dog us. We know that. But the two sides have not completely dug into positions uh, before the discussions have started. Yes, there are differences of opinion on how to pay for this, where the money should come from, whether or not there should be fee increases, tax increases. Those are all going to be very, very difficult discussions. But if you get off on the right foot and realize that everybody wants the same thing, we might be able to hash out a way to make it better. That's going to be a big deal. That's something that we need to watch. And I think, again, This little smattering of bipartisan cooperation that we see is something that matters. And again, it may not be the biggest bill in the world, but it is something that we've been talking about for a long time that both sides have agreed on for a long time, but nobody's been able to do anything about it because of that lack of trust. 
So if Dana Nessel and Lee Chatfield are the two that get us on the path towards some sort of bipartisan existence here in Michigan, then we might actually have a successful split power situation here in the state. We might see some compromise, which is what politics is about. And we won't get back there tomorrow. But you know what? It's a start. That gives me cautious optimism. And let's go to Washington here for just a little bit. And I think this one's a little bit more nuanced. But I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Washington because this is a tougher nut to crack. But I think it is important that we sort of get to why I think that we can do something about this. Now, what is hanging over Washington right now? Besides, of course, the government shut down this fight over the wall. That's going to be resolved at some point. Somebody's going to give something or at least some sort of compromise will be reached, which is not a bad thing. But any sort of political issue that we have right now in Washington is clouded by the Mueller investigation. Is President Trump taking the stance just to shore up his base and, and distract people from what is going on with that investigation? That's what, the, that's what the Democrats will argue, and that's what a lot of the anti-Trump people will argue. Now, the Trump people will say that, you know, the Mueller investigation is the distraction, and it's just designed to make sure that President Trump is unsuccessful. Here's why we need to see the Mueller investigation come to a resolution, and it looks like it may be soon. It is not perfect. There's nothing about this report that's going to be perfect. We're going to argue over it. We're going to argue over what it says, what it implies. But at least we're going to have a better idea of what is out there and how big a problem that we're dealing with. The uncertainty that we've had has had a palpable impact on our dealings in Washington. The level of suspicion, the level of animosity, the level of anger. We're going to get a report that says whether or not President Trump had any involvement in any of this. And is there any sort of culpability there? Is there something that he needs to be punished for? Is there something that he has done wrong? Maybe there isn't something that he has done wrong. Maybe it's just other people and he was completely clueless. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen with that? But we need to find out what is in there because we'll never be able to put it to bed unless we do. Just look at the Clinton email investigation as an example here. Even after the FBI came out and said there was no reason to charge, people still thought it was a cover-up, it was a conspiracy. We need to see this report as a public. We need to deal with it. And if there are things that we need to deal with, we're going to have to. It's going to be painful. It's going to be ugly. But you can't just sweep stuff under the rug if there's something there. And if there's nothing there, then the Democrats are going to have to let it go and start focusing on the president, his policies, and, and frankly, you know, whether or not he is uh, putting forth policies and programs that are in the best interest of the nation. And fight with him on a political sense, not thinking that there's going to be some sort of bailout from Robert Mueller. So we don't know. We don't know what it's going to show, but we're going to find out soon, and we're going to have to work through it as a nation. And as we do that, as we do that and come to grips with what we're really dealing with here, Whichever side is on the winning end, the losing end, nobody really wins in this type of a situation, frankly. Nobody wins. But either side, whether it comes out the way you expect it to or don't expect it to, it's time to deal with it and move on and figure out what we need to do because we have been paralyzed on every issue. This has been clouding every issue and it impacts every issue whether people realize it or not. Now, the closure of the government... Again, some people want to see this as a distraction from the bigger issue. Others say that this is a crisis that we have to deal with. Now, the one thing that has become clear over this government shutdown is that both sides agree that some sort of policy change is needed when it comes to immigration. So at least we've agreed on the fact that there is a problem. 
Now, whether it's a crisis or not, that's another argument. But the fact is, there is a problem when it comes to immigration. All sides agree that some sort of solution is necessary. But it can't just be restricted to the southern border and putting up a wall. It's a much broader conversation than that. And as long as the policy is rooted on one section of the border, what you know, basically Mexico, you're always going to have that argument from a lot of people that this is a racist policy, that it's inhumane, and it's against the spirit of the nation's founding principles. No, if we're going to reform immigration, it's got to reform immigration for all people, regardless of where they're from. Not whether they're from a predominantly Muslim country, not whether or not their skin is brown, not whether or not they're from Norway or shithole countries or whatever other word people want to use to talk about immigrants. It's got to be about the entire system. Reinforcing the border, sure. You want to stop the opioid abuse? You want to stop the amount of heroin and fentanyl flowing into the country? All right, fine. Take some money, put it into truck inspections. Make sure we're ferreting out people that are building tunnels. We can do all those things without having some sort of monument to what most people would say is racism. There is a comprehensive solution to this, and it would behoove everybody in Washington to actually sit down at the table and take it seriously. I think what's going to happen over the course of the next few weeks is that we are going to come to a realization that the way that we're dealing with it right now is incredibly stupid. They're going to have to sit down at some point and get serious. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I am cautiously optimistic that our better angels will emerge in this debate and will actually have a rational discussion about what to do about immigration. How do we deal with asylum claims? But we're too smart. We're too smart to be sucked in to the battle that we're dealing with right now. And I hope, and I am cautiously optimistic, that we can figure that out. All right, quick break. When we come back, I've got some of your thoughts on what is going on here. And I appreciate everybody that chimed in on this conversation on Facebook. I'll read some of your comments next, and that's how we're going to wrap up The Craig Folly Show on this Monday. Stay with me. Welcome back to The Craig Folly Show here on Deadline Detroit. And I've spent the half an hour today talking about why I'm cautiously optimistic about what is going on here in the country and why I think we can work through our problems. You may think I'm insane, That's totally fine, but we'll talk about a couple of things here. So I want to definitely read some of the comments. I put up a question yesterday explaining how I was feeling about things. I didn't get into exactly all the reasons, but I said, hey, how are you feeling? And a number of you, number of you chimed in on various areas. So we have Nick who chimed in talking about, of course, Detroit. He said, I think we're still in that snail up a razor blade territory in a lot of ways, but there's maybe some hope that we can pull back from the really horrendous features that potentially lie in wait. Then we have Kathleen who says, I think the fascist GOPs will dismantle the government so much that the Mueller results won't be adjudicated. Well, Kathleen, that's not a very optimistic outlook. Joan says, I am so over all the Russia stuff. Corruption is everywhere. How about listing all the Congress people that had sexual harassment or similar lawsuits against them? We have bigger problems to address. At this rate, our country will no longer exist as we knew it. We are slowly sliding down the rabbit hole. I am neither Republican or Democratic, and I feel we let good leadership on all sides feel we lack good leadership on all sides. The Dems were all for immigration policies until it wasn't their idea anymore. No one wants to compromise either as a state or as a nation, so there is a call, but will it be answered with action? Seeing is believing. And then she also says, Detroit, from my perspective, Detroit seems better, but I don't live in the neighborhood, so I don't feel qualified to truly answer the question. We have Maureen 
who says, I loved how Gretchen Whitmer and Garland Gilchrist stood for over an hour so a line of 100 people could get a photo with them. The event was free to thank the people of Michigan for believing in them, held at the parade company, a natural place for families. That alone tells me the new team values families, fun, and all things Detroit. Now, if we can pump more money into the city, especially the neighborhoods, that would be great. Ron says, Detroit continues to make real progress. Small, innovative businesses are cropping up everywhere, and there are tons of people spending more time checking out the city and having their own epiphany. I like the use of that word, epiphany, always a good thing. Andrew says, in addition to the partial shutdown, I'm actually concerned about something that's not really being addressed. Our country has way too many missing links in its various chains of, of command. Trump still hasn't appointed ambassadors in some key countries. Many important positions in our various departments are still unfilled, and our generals and admirals receive a daily mishmash of signals, commands, and tweets that can only lead to confusion. As a veteran, I'm actually really concerned about the status of our readiness in the event of an attack. Dave says, Detroit's neighborhoods weren't destroyed in a day, and they won't be rebuilt in a day. I don't know if it's being done right, but the near neighborhoods are filling in. It will be a slow process. Let's hope and strive for it to be an inclusive one. We have Abe who says Detroit is on the right track, but I am worried that too much of the redevelopment is tied to Dan Gilbert and Bedrock. Economists are predicting a recession in the next few years, and if his company fell, it would take a huge chunk of the city with it. And we have Maya who says all the spoken of funding for revitalizing is taking a long time to show on the streets. Indeed, Maya, it is. We're going to end with that. It is taking time. And I will end with this thought. It took us a long time to get here. It's going to take us a long time to get out. But progress is happening. It's not as fast as certain people certainly like or deserve. But progress is better than regress. I'm so glad I could include your comments in the show today. So I'm going to start doing this more often. We'll communicate, get some things out there, and make sure that your voice is heard. I appreciate you listening to The Craig Folly Show here on Deadline Detroit. We'll be back tomorrow. Shoot me that email, Show at gmail.com, or find me on Facebook. Send me a message. Let me know what's working, what's not. What do you need? I want to listen. Thanks, and we'll talk tomorrow. Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services.